Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower, and revive and heal. And through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt, and restored, equipped and empowered, and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. And so God bless you today. If you want to support the podcast, visit us at www.riverofheaven.org slash donate. And we're just so thrilled to be with you for another awesome opportunity to talk about these gems, these nuggets of wisdom from scripture. You know, Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search that matter out. And I know that I've got some kings and some priests listening on the line today. And so the word of God says in 1 Peter 2.9 that we are a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart, God's special people. Now there's a natural understanding of this, God's Jewish people from the old covenant, but the Bible says that we are kings and priests, that even us who has been grafted in, that we are spiritual Jews, amen? Even if we're not naturally his chosen people, we have been grafted into the promises of Abraham going all the way back to uh, Genesis, going all the way back to really the eternal promises of God. And so in God's infinite wisdom, he grafted us in and that we are part, we are part of his inheritance, that glorious inheritance, it says uh, in the new covenant. And where is it our inheritance? Our inheritance is in heavenly places in Christ, because the reality of it is, beloved, as sure as we're sitting down or standing up, wherever you might be right now, but if you're sitting down, as sure as you're sitting down right now, that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. The Greek word is the word sin kathitso. And kathitso means to sit down as a king or a ruler sits down. That word is also used multiple other places in scripture where it says that when Jesus taught the Beatitudes, he sat down and began to teach. Even before that, it said that in the temple, he sat down uh, in the in the hearing of all the, when the, the scroll from Isaiah was being read, when he read the scroll from Isaiah, it said after reading it, he sat down. In other words, when someone sat down, they were exercising kingly authority. They were sitting down because they were saying that in your hearing, this is fulfilled. In your hearing, this is completed. And the word also, kathitso, is used when we are seated in heavenly places. There's other times, other places it's used. But the understanding is that we are royalty in God's kingdom, that we are sons and daughters of his, and there is a spiritual reality to our living for God. Amen. Some people say, well, oh, we need to concentrate on, you know, living life here and, you know, doing our, having our best life today in the area where we live on the earth. 
And, uh, you know, there's some truth to having abundant life. In John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly, even to the overflow. That's what it says in the Amplified Version. And so God does want us to have abundant life. But I believe that what he really wants us to see is that we're living a life in him, seated in heavenly places, and then we're releasing that into the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Even, you know, from our aspect of praise and worship, for so long, we've been talking, we talk about when people say, I'm interceding, uh, and they're saying, I'm, I'm reaching, you know, to the place where I'm, I'm looking up and I'm, I'm asking him, you know, to do this and uh, beseeching him to do that, this, that, and the other thing. But really, that's not our place. Our place of intercession is in Christ. Our place of intercession is seated with him in heavenly places. The Bible says that Jesus is ever making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. And so we also, when we're interceding, we are kings under him as the king of kings. We are joint heirs with him. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when we're making intercession, we're making intercession uh, in the throne, from the throne room. Amen. We're making intercession from our throne. Again, you know, we're with him and it's under his authority. It's in his authority, but we are obviously under his authority. And so part of that understanding is that while we're here on the earth and while we have this physical body that we walk around in, we can release the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go. A matter of fact, the word of God says multiple times that the kingdom of heaven is not here or there. It doesn't in one area says doesn't come with your careful understanding, but the kingdom is in us. If you receive Jesus Christ, if you've repented and believed and received Christ as Lord and Savior, then you are in the kingdom. You are part of the kingdom of God. And not only that, but the kingdom lives in you. It's a great mystery that's talked about in scripture. But the apostle Paul says that there is uh, we are in Christ, that is our positional righteousness or our positional place in the kingdom, but then Christ is in us, and that's really our personal place in the kingdom, okay, where we move and have our being in, in him in, in one sense, but in the other sense, he's living within us, and he's living uh, and moving and still continuing his ministry in the believer, And we know that there is a precious third person of the Godhead who dwells in the believer. Jesus said that it's good that I go away when he walked on the earth. It's good that I go away, he told the apostles, because then I can send to you the other comforter. I can send to you the helper. I can send to you the spirit of God. I can send to you Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about the third person of the Godhead, Holy Spirit, the last two podcasts, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to those, I encourage you to go back and listen uh, to the last two podcasts we did because they are full of just nuggets of wisdom regarding the, a few of the sevenfold aspects of the Spirit of God. We started to jump into that. We started even to look at, before that, the river of God, which speaks of Holy Spirit, which speaks of the river that flows down from the throne. Everything, again, is interconnected. But what I want to key in on today is that this deeper exploration of the sevenfold Spirit of God, because Holy Spirit is the sevenfold Spirit of God. 
Many people, we talked about this last podcast as well. Many people, you know, will hear this this saying, the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God, but they don't realize that that is synonymous with Holy Spirit. For in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says this, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Again, him being the Messiah, or we know him to be Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And if you count them, the spirit of the Lord is one, the spirit of wisdom, two, understanding, three, counsel, four, might, five, knowledge, six, and the fear of the Lord, seven, or the sevenfold spirit of God. And we know in scripture, so who came down upon Jesus Christ when he uh, was walking around as the word made flesh, when he was walking around as the God man on the earth, right? When he came up out of the waters of baptism, Holy Spirit descended upon him, okay? And so that prophecy was fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord shall what? Rest upon him. And so last podcast, we really jumped into this teaching on the lordship of Jesus Christ, okay? Or the idea or the understanding of lordship in general. Beloved, everything flows out of the understanding of lordship, everything. If we don't understand lordship, then we don't posture ourselves correctly. Then we start to think that we're our own lord. We start to think that we're all high and mighty and we can do whatever we want to. But again, remember that we have a kingship because he is the, Jesus is the king of kings. We have a priesthood because he is the high priest. We have authority because it's his authority. We have anointing because it's his anointing. We have a mission because again, or we're co-laborers in a mission because again, what? It's his mission, his mission. And everything comes from this understanding that we serve another, that we have a Lord We have a master and his name is Jesus Christ. But what's interesting uh, is that if you actually study the Hebrew on the spirit of the Lord is the word Yehovah or Jehovah. Okay. The self-existent one that is the spirit of Jehovah or the spirit of Yahweh. Okay. He's the one who has always existed. He exists now and he shall always exist. Remember when they were arguing one day about Jesus being uh, too young to fulfill prophecy and all this other stuff, and they say to him uh, in the New Covenant, they say, you're not, the Pharisees say, you're not even 50 years old, and, and you're talking about, you know, being greater than Abraham and all this other stuff, and you're talking about being able to do this and do that, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. And again, that I am is Jehovah, that I am is Yahweh, that I am is I've always existed, I exist now, and I shall always exist, okay? And the Pharisees were incensed. They were like, we're going to stone this guy. He's crazy. They many times accused him of having a demon, all these different things, right? But he is the embodiment of Lordship, because he is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Lordship is an understanding that someone else is in charge. Someone else is in charge and that we serve another. And so we talked about some in the last podcast. There seems to be this great 
uh, deficiency in the body of Christ these days regarding how we understand the gospel. Many people will talk about the gospel is just about me, 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 I, 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 Christ died for me. And there is a truth to that, but there is a greater understanding that there is a principle that says everything that came from God comes through God and goes back to God. And so when we make the gospel about Jesus loved me, he died for me, 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 absolutely. Did he do those things? Yes. But ultimately, he was filling the Father's will. He was fulfilling the Father's will. He was being obedient to the Father. John 3.16 said, For God, the Father, so loved the world that he sent who? Jesus Christ, his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, yes, it is personal. Yes, Jesus loves you for the Bible tells you so. Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. All those things are true. But ultimately, God sent his son and Christ was fulfilling the mission that Father God sent him on. And the mission, he accepted the mission because he loved us. Amen? But ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is that it was not just for me. He did not just die for me and for you. He died to fulfill the will of the Father because he only wanted to do what the Father asked him to do. He only was concerned with what the Father sent him to do. And so, yes, there was submission, there was agreement, there was love, there were all these things, but ultimately, it came, it came down to this. It came down to, I want to do what fathers ask, perfect submission. I love my father, and because I love my father, uh, uh, let this cup pass. If there be another way, father, father, he's crying out in the garden. If we remember his words, if there be another way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, father, but your will. It, it is an understanding, again, of lordship. And because the understanding and the submission, even in the Godhead, even as the Holy Spirit submits to the Son, uh, who submits to the Father, and the Son submits to the Father, the Father, when Jesus Christ completed his mission, and he cried out, it is finished. The Bible says that Christ has been given a name, that Jesus, at the name of Jesus, it's the name above every other name. That in the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow that he is Lord. He is the highest name. There is no other higher name. There is nothing that even compares to his name. Why? Because the Father God gave him that name. He gave him that name. There is no other lordship. There is no higher lordship. It says that the fullness of the deity or the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ. Why? Because Jesus humbled himself even till death on a cross and fulfilled the mission, fulfilled what he was supposed to do, fulfilled perfect righteousness, fulfilled all of righteousness. So what was Christ's mission? He's our Lord. He's been given the name above every other name. So what was Christ's mission? What was Christ's mission? It's found in Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening today and you're not doing or you're not functioning in Christ's mission, you may want to reevaluate what you're functioning in. Because the great co-mission called us to be co-laborers in Christ's mission. And Christ's mission is found in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. 
what did Father God anoint Christ Jesus to do? Okay, what was he, what was the Messiah going to do and ultimately uh, finish when he said it is finished at the cross? Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 through 3 tells us, it says the spirit of God is upon me or the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to what? Preach good tidings to the poor. There's one. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's another one. To proclaim liberty to the captives. There's another one. Opening of prison uh, prison to those who are bound. That's another one. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of the Lord's favor. That's the fifth one. And the day of vengeance of our God. That's the sixth one. To comfort all who mourn. That's the seventh one. To console those who mourn in Zion. That's the eighth one. Remember that word Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. That's the ninth one. To give them the oil of joy for mourning. That's the tenth one. And to give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's the eleventh one. Why? It says in verse three, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that who? That he may be glorified. Again, notice Christ was not sent to glorify himself, but he was sent to glorify the father. Everything that Jesus Christ did was to glorify the father. And that's why everything we do right now in all that we're doing better glorify God. If you're doing things in your life right now, and, and you're thinking, well, I can do that. That's not that big of a deal. The Bible doesn't really call that sin or, you know, I might be okay doing that. That's not the question. The question's not, can I get away with it? The question's not, well, you know, the Bible doesn't really tell me whether I should or shouldn't. The question is this, does what you're doing, does what I'm doing bring glory and honor to God? And if it does, great, continue. But if it doesn't, cease and desist and walk away from it. Because what's the whole point of Christ's mission? That he, that, that they, the ones that he's pouring into, that the ones that he's setting free, that the ones that he's bringing into the kingdom, what? May be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that who? That he may be glorified, Father God. And so what we're doing now is that we should be preaching good tidings to the poor. We should be healing the brokenhearted. We should be proclaiming liberty to the captives. We should be proclaiming opening of prison doors to those who are bound and setting the captive free. As it says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says that the anointing breaks the yoke. And again, it's his anointing. What else should we be doing? Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor or the acceptable year of the Lord. We're talking about the Jubilee. What else should we be doing? And the day of vengeance of our God, we should be warning people. Paul says, he says that we compel people to come to Christ. We compel them because of the terror of the Lord and the love of God. Okay? To, we also should be what? Comforting all who mourn. The prophetic is the gift, specifically the gift of prophecy is unto edification, exhortation, and what? Comfort. We're to comfort all who mourn. We're to console. That's even a deeper meaning of comfort. To console means to literally hover over, to dwell with, to be with, to console those who mourn where? In Zion. Now, when we start to get into the word Zion, everything from here on out speaks of what we're called to do for others in the, in the body of Christ. What we're called to do to, uh, for natural uh, Israel. Okay, Zion. Zion speaks of natural Zion. Natural Zion is David's Zion, Jerusalem, Israel. 
right? That's why the Bible says we're to called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're to console those who mourn in Zion. If you if you've got brothers and sisters who are are Jewish folks who are uh, natural Jews, we are to console those who mourn. But the spiritual aspect of Zion is that remember we've been grafted in to precious promises to the eternal promises of God that God gave Abraham all the way going back, and we are spiritual Jews. We are spiritually Zion. The church is spiritually Zion. So if you're in the body of Christ and you're part of the church, part of the ecclesia, the Greek word is, then as functioning in Christ's mission, we're called to what? Console one another in the body of Christ. We're called when people are hurting to give them what? Beauty for ashes, you know, which speaks of basically when someone is down and out and someone seems like they're not able to function, someone seems like they're just a, a heap of ashes, they're, they're a mess, they're, they're all over the place, they're broken down, they don't even know, they're like a burnt brick, they don't have a place, they can't even find their identity or they forgot who they are in Christ. We're called to give them beauty. We're called to say, yo, you're beautiful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Beautiful are the feet that those who bring the good news. Give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. For those in Zion who are mourning, we're to give them the oil of joy. How? We're to encourage them that the joy of the Lord is their strength. We're to encourage them to be in the presence of God because in the presence of the Lord is what? Fullness of joy. What else? The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, this is again ties into the whole uh, praise and worship uh, movement, I guess you can call it, or functionality in the body of Christ. But worship leaders, uh, musicians, singers, psalmists, and minstrels, are we really giving people the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness? Or are we just singing songs uh, that sound good? Because if we're getting songs out of the throne room and there's anointing upon our lives to release those songs from the throne room on earth as it is in heaven, it will give people, it will lend to people, it will invite people to grab a hold of the garment of praise and put it on. It will, why? It will break the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. And here it is ultimately, uh, beloved, that the whole reason for Jesus's mission is what? That they, whether, whether they means that people had not yet come into Zion. Remember, he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel and, and they needed to be ministered to. Uh, and But also we understand that when Jesus went to the well, he was showing a picture that the church, uh, the, the one new man would be Jews and Gentiles together. So Christ's ministry was to, between Jew and Gentile, do these things, what we just talked about, that they may be called trees of righteousness. Basically, that they would be born again. Basically, that they would be servants of the Most High God and sons and daughters of the Father. That what? They would be the planting of the Lord, that what? He may be glorified. So, are we, are we really doing these things, beloved? Are we really helping to just be that vessel and ministering these 11 parts uh, of the mission of Christ, of what Christ's mission was, so that when we look around at the people, if there's pastors and leaders listening, pastor, leader, are you looking around and seeing those in your congregation who are standing as trees of righteousness? Have they become the planting of the Lord? Are they bringing glory to God? And are we bringing glory to God? I want to talk to the leaders for a moment, all the leaders in the body of Christ, we have a tremendous responsibility. The Bible says we're worthy of double honor or also double judgment. Why? Because we lead people. 
And we can either lead people to help to rediscover what the Bible says, what Christ's mission was, or we can talk about any anything under the sun, basically, uh, because we have charisma, because we have a following, because we have influence. And I would encourage you, men and women of God, if you're a leader, let's get back to speaking on the mission of Jesus Christ. Let's get back to teaching on the lordship of Jesus Christ and posturing ourselves under his lordship and walking in his authority and walking anointed with the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of lordship. Hallelujah. Because then when we look around, we are going to see trees of righteousness all around us. We're going to see the planting of the Lord. We're going to see fruit coming forth. Uh, and we'll go into this uh, maybe next podcast, but talking about we'll get to see the fruits of the Spirit because where there's trees and there's maturity, then there comes life. There comes fruit. There's the sustenance of the sap. There's the sustenance of the Spirit of God moving in the tree. But then what should come forth as the tree continues to yield, as the man or woman of God continues to yield and mature, what should come forth is the the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, or really the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So we should see fruitfulness coming out. If you're listening and you're a new believer in Christ, I encourage you with this. All your responsibility is, once you've repented and believed in Christ, is to yield. And it's not a follow the law mentality. You're not trying to uh, check off a list. I just need to do this better, this better, this better. No, 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 no. That's legalism. That's following the law. But by yielding to the Spirit of God, you can be holy as He is holy. By yielding to the Spirit of God, you can begin to function in, in Christ's mission because the Spirit of God anointed Christ to do His mission. As we yield to the Spirit of God, we'll begin to produce the fruits, the nine fruits of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We'll begin to function in the gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We'll begin to function in all aspects of the Spirit, moving and living and stirring in our lives. Hallelujah. And so there's so much with the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the Lord, but I just want to briefly jump into the next the next aspect here, or the next dimension, uh, the spirit of wisdom. Many think that wisdom is just, I can fathom great things. They think that's what wisdom is. But that's not really what the Bible talks about if we study the scriptures. But there is a gem, the spirit of wisdom. What is the spirit of wisdom? The word in Hebrew is the word chokmah. It means skillfulness. So when you see the spirit of wisdom, you, it's, it's talking about divine heavenly skill. That's what that word means. When you see the spirit of wisdom, okay? Now, understanding is different. That's the know-how. That's revelation. That's how-to. That's how to teach someone to do something. But the spirit of wisdom is skillfulness. It's, it's skillfulness. Exodus chapter 28, verse 3. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with what? The spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as a priest. Okay? So this is Moses. God is telling Moses, only go and talk to who? 
those who I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, because, hey, guess what, Moses? They're going to need divine skill and enablement to make Aaron's garments, to make things according to the pattern, to make them uh, according to what I want. And again, there it is with God's order. There it is with lordship, to do it according to what the way God said, Moses, okay? Look at Exodus chapter 31, verse 6. And I, indeed, I have appointed with him Aoliab, the son of Asamach of the tribe of Dan. And I have put, put what? Wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. So all my kingdom creatives out there, all those who are gifted in the things of the Lord, all those who are, are, are moving in the things of the Spirit, uh, you are anointed, or if you don't realize this yet, Part of what you're accessing and how you're functioning and what you're functioning in is because you have been enabled and you've been equipped and empowered. And when you receive Holy Spirit, when you became a born again believer, you received as part of who he is the spirit of wisdom or the spirit of divine skillfulness or divine ability. Okay. So there are many people, musicians and singers and artists and all these folks in the body. And I'll encourage you, when you begin to pray, ask the spirit of wisdom, who is the Holy Spirit. It's one of his names. It's one of, because of his functionality. But begin to say, uh, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom. Help me to discover what you've placed in me. Help me to understand heavenly skill in uh, artistry or singing or playing. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Spirit of Wisdom. Because we need wisdom. We need skillfulness. You know, I've heard it said over the years that the anointing is this. The anointing is God's super getting on your natural, making it supernatural, causing it to flourish. Well, I believe, beloved, that the spirit of wisdom and all these other aspects of the spirit of God, but this, you know, speaks of how Jesus Christ was anointed with who? Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is moving and functioning in your life, that is the source of anointing. He is the source. He is the one, the Spirit of God, okay? He is the one who is also the Spirit of might. He will break the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. And that's another teaching for another time. But we need to understand and begin to really uh, access that which we've been given, it's weaponry. We need it, beloved, for such a time as this. The days and the hours that we're living in, the times that we're living in, we need to understand. Uh, if we ever needed to understand the sevenfold spirit of God more, it's now. It's now for such a time as this. And so I just want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to take this opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I know that I've done bad things in my life. I know that I've, I've done terrible things. I've made bad decisions, but I don't want to live this way anymore. And so today, I know that your goodness has led me to repentance. Today, Lord, I turn to you. I turn to you. I give you my life. I give you everything. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior and save me, Lord, because in only you is salvation. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart and you've confessed it with your mouth, then welcome to the family. Welcome to the entry door, which is Jesus Christ. Now you're in the kingdom. 
beloved. Welcome, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. And now, because you have received Christ, the Bible says you've also received Holy Spirit. You received the Spirit of the Lord. Now you're going to be able to start to function and jump into this understanding of lordship and wisdom and the rest of the aspects of the sevenfold Spirit of God. Well, thank you so much for listening again today. We love you so much. Um, If you want to support the podcast, visit us at riverofheaven.org slash donate. And again, we're listener supported. So thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the broadcast. We love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. Until next time, goodbye. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to our website at www.riverofheaven.org. River of Heaven Ministries is advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven through various means. In James 1.27, Scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching, encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, we will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiply millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us.